Hey, everybody. It's Thursday. You know what that means? It's the Art Fight Podcast. I'm Joe Nolan. I'm here with my co-host, Brian Siskin. Brian, how are you doing? Uh, man, I'm great. Uh, if you're confused, by the way, if you see like in the around the video, it says that uh, we're going to have Tom Schof with us. We, we might still, uh, but in this uh, in this madness of these times, getting schedules aligned sometimes can be a challenge. So mm -hmm. uh, if you're confused or if you came here to see Tom, he yeah. might show up, but he might not. But anyway, I'm great, man. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well, too. Yeah, yeah. We we have Tom scheduled. He's been uh, nothing but a gentleman, a gentleman of violence, but a gentleman nonetheless. Also a gentleman on Instagram. And uh, he's been really thoughtful and stuff. And and uh, we're hoping that he'll still join us today. But uh, we've he's got some delays on his end. So we're just going to go ahead and do an episode. And if we can't have Tom on now, we'll get him on, uh, you know, in the next few shows. Brian, this is uh, episode 111. Tomorrow mm -hmm. is uh, is Friday the 13th. The The planets are aligning dogs and cats living together. It's a strange time. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm not very good at occulting, but I feel like there's got to be a bunch of good stuff in there. <laughs> <laughs> occulting for dummies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to, for, for any of those kind of things, you have to remember a lot of stuff. Mm. You know what I mean? You have to almost like do math. It's a lot. It seems yeah. like a lot. It is a lot. Yeah. They ask a lot of you. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, you know, here on my side, it's been all about, uh, just continuing to work and do the stuff that, I, that I'm doing and trying to find better ways to do it, uh, in terms of art projects, video projects, music work, a lot of new equipment, a lot of new ideas, a lot of new practices, a lot of stripping down of some things, expanding some others. So it's been like a lot of just continual sort of retooling uh and i think that probably a lot of people have been doing this uh for about eight months now or whatever it's been right. um there's a point though where you kind of want to say like is am i being productive or is this kind of borderline neuroses right like i need mm -hmm. to make sure that i'm not just allowing myself too much of a rabbit hole so i've just been solving that lately with putting with, with getting pretty intense about constraints and mm and repetition and trying to recognize the power of iteration. And I think that uh, when you, when I get down into the sort of workings of all that in terms of my art practice and my uh, creative practice, I feel like this has got to be in a certain way what it's like for a fighter to sort of be thinking about, um, uh, you know, game plan versus instinct and, uh, you know, what, what can be done uh, through various tool sets or, or whatever. So I don't know. I, I'm, 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 I feel like I'm steeped in the commonality of, of the, the creative, uh, battles and the, and the fight battles that, that, you know, are of real importance that our, our friend Tom Schof does and some others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think you were, you were just talking about, um, how you have been, uh, sort of setting yourself up to you. I know you get up like, you know, wee hours of the morning anyway, but you've been getting up in the wee hours of the morning. Old man. And then, like, yeah jumping in your car or walking through your neighborhood and shooting a film and then editing the film and then putting some music on the film and then releasing the film and then mm. making coffee and starting your day, which is, uh, which is pretty ambitious. Uh, but we've been, we were just talking now about, you know, the idea of sort of giving yourself the, giving yourself the intention of saying like, I'm going to, you know, make a film every morning. Uh, and then also, letting yourself have the realistic understanding that you're not actually going to be able to do it every morning, but somehow making enough of a promise that you still get it done two or three times a week, which is still a massive output of short experimental films. Right. Right. <laughs> well, but it's also been, 
I guess you know, it's, I'm talking about balance. I guess how do you well, how do you have discipline balanced against I think, un, un, you know unrealistic goals? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that I think that um, if you are in the in the business of getting a lot of iterations done of whatever your work is in the smallest do manageable dose of your work possible, uh, make it as powerful as you can. But I'm sort of challenging myself to make sure that it's kind of like I want to make sure that I have my hands on all the key pieces of gear and tool sets, cameras and microphones and music gear and various things like i, I want to make sure that like everything's kind of getting uh touched and used every day in some way it's kind of like if you were a, a you know a professional fighter right you'd be really needing to make yeah. sure that you don't just go train striking for six weeks and then kind of come back like so I, I and i find it easy when you're in a lot of different mediums and a lot of different uh ways of working it's easy to get into wormholes that kind of start to disconnect you from the other stuff uh-huh and then you kind of have to work harder to get your way back to sort of yeah. uh a feeling of like i'm i'm in the zone on this thing I, I feel like i've got a relationship with this tool that i can it works really well for me or whatever you know mm -hmm. like uh i don't feel like it's an alien thing or a barrier to my process so uh anyway so for me it's been about like how do i make sure i'm using all of my stuff as much as possible in the lightest weight but powerful dose imaginable so i've just mm -hmm. been making these little short vignettes and honestly it's like i'm talking like i rotate what lenses i'm using i rotate like it's it's literally like a sort of a, a conveyor like a like a like a, one of those exercise bikes or something of just all my things that i do and um so it's, i treat it like going to the gym i don't have any expectations i don't really it's not about like performative merit or anything mm -hmm. it's just it's just by the act of doing but it's accelerated my learning like i've been able to problem solve so many things or figure out so many things that i didn't quite understand or didn't you know things that were limiting me or or whatever and it's so to get to the roundabout point here which is basically like not beating yourself up for declaring you know i'm gonna do this stuff ritually daily whatever and then maybe kind of have some hit and miss days, you know, and not beat yourself up about it. Because the reason why it's easy to keep it up, though, and not let it go is because it is all uh, showing so much back to me so quickly. Like I get so much benefit out of it so fast that it makes it exciting to do as opposed to feeling like a, some weird chore that I'm, I'm putting myself through. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think that's I mean, I think a lot of times that's the. Um, that's part of the formula for, uh, having, uh, realistic, um, goals, you know, is like, is this something that, you know, is going to be like long on the payout, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. If it's going to be long on the payout, then it's almost like, well, then it's like a marathon and you've got to take it in bite-sized pieces or you're never mm -hmm. going to get there, you know? Um, or is this something where you can just like, you know, cash and carry you know what i mean <laughs> and if that's the way well that's a different then then there's a different approach to how you can do that and i think i think you know it just a lot of this stuff is just really really important when it comes to actually sustaining uh your creative practice oh my camera just went all warm again now it yeah. went cold again see that yeah. i raised like i'm like doing magic whoa it's like, <laughs> it's, it's like your camera has like a kubrick mode that's right that's right yeah 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 <laughs> so um uh so it's it's weird though. I feel like there's a um, uh, uh, that 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 all that all this stuff that we're talking about, like the discipline, the sustainable, the you know realistic goals, all that stuff. That's the difference between people who it's not the only difference, but it's a big difference between people who actually get projects finished and actually sort of build a creative life over time. 
uh, versus people who maybe they've got creative intentions or they've got some talents or they've got some ambitions, but it doesn't really get very far because when it's all said and done, they can't get all that stuff balanced out right so that they can continue to make work regularly, which is what's required. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess everybody's going to have to like the things that make that just work for them to keep, keep it going. Uh, I don't know. I, I've, I find that a lot of people have, do just find sort of really sort of going down a, a wormhole or being on a particular discipline for a long time, making a lot of work oh, yeah, for sure. and then just not doing any of it for two years and then coming right back and yeah. kind of, it's, it's if weird. Right? Back, if you could, if that actually works for you where you yeah. just like go crazy <laughs> and then bail and then mm -hmm. come back. And like, to me, I feel sort of like you, I believe where it's like, I try to kind of keep a little cheek, just keep the pot stirring. Mm. If I'm going to use this pot again, I have mm -hmm. to stir it a little bit every yeah, time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Otherwise, I'm just, it's going to be so hard to get this thing going again. It's going to be so much work to do yeah. it again. And um, I almost feel that way a little bit right now about like, like if I had to go play a gig right now, it wouldn't mm -hmm. be that bad, but it would be, it would take me a minute to sort of get you know, an hour's worth of songs under my belt again, confidently in terms of all my lyrics and chord changes and playing with my guys yeah. and all that. Yeah. It's going to take it. That's, that's just how it's going to have to be because we just haven't been able to get together since March. You know what I mean? Um, but I also feel like I've been working enough on music that it's like, you know, I feel like my playing's fine and my singing's fine and that's good. And, you know, so I'm, I've got that muscle's not completely bad right now. Yeah. I just, I just, and it's, I, I've been playing some of the older stuff too, but mostly just working on new music. So I've got to sort of relearn shit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember how we did it, you know? That's another thing too is like when, once you start playing with a group or whatever, or even just a number of musicians, but once you start presenting things live, they send it, they tend to take on, you know, attributes and things that aren't that, that are, are you, that, you know, that it's, it's unexpected. Hard to remember. Yeah. We changed the key on that, or we changed mm -hmm. the tempo on that, or we added those bars in the middle so that this guy could do that thing, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, Oh yeah. It's whole, basically like, you know, yeah. It's like a, it's like if it's like practicing versus playing a show, it's sort of like, um, especially after a long time away, it's sort of like, there's a trapeze and you've got to clear a certain amount of distance from one to the other, but the longer that you've been away from it or the rustier that you are, just the further that that, yeah. <laughs> that gulf yeah. is. Yeah. So it's still doable, but it's like, it's a little hairy sometimes. And yes, yeah. uh, things can fall apart. There will always be a net, but yeah. you know what? Like, yeah. man, it, it can happen. And, and you know, everybody's been through those sort of train wrecks and weirdness. And it's just part of the, the batterings and beatings of uh, sort of making something what it, it needs to be. Yeah. And I just feel like it's, it's one of those, like when it comes to performing music live, it's like to the degree that I want to be able to do that, I just have to do it relatively regularly yeah. so that it's easier. Frankly, if yeah. I do it a little bit all the time, it's, it's actually easier than mm -hmm. if I try to do it once in a blue moon, you know, that's yep. a lot harder. It's a lot harder. It really I'm works here. If I just keep it, keep it limber, keep it going. And then mm -hmm. if, if there's an opportunity to do more of it, well then that's easy. You just do more, you know, yeah, but, amplify what you're already doing. Yeah. yeah. So it's tough. And I, and I feel like too, with the, with the iteration thing, another thing that's interesting about that to, to like things I've been doing right now, I've talked a little bit about this. I think about how 
I've been like learning a new uh, audio workstation, a new a new software for recording that's called Ableton Live. Now they actually have a brand new version of it that's coming out now, and I'm kind of like excited, but then I'm also sort of like fuck, <laughs> you know, because it's yeah. like I just I just sort of got this thing. Mm-hmm. I I feel like I've just got like the horse like going with the yeah. moves. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's still a lot to learn. There's still a long way to go, but but I can use it now and it's working, you know? And I can basically, it's functional and, and I know how to do it. But here's the other thing is that what it really comes down to is when you're up there working on your recording, you, you don't want to be functional and getting it done. You actually want all that shit to just be unconscious you want to be able just to be like click 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 boom 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 and then we do mm-hmm. this and da 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 because what you really want to be focusing on and concentrating on is actually creating music right yeah so so it's like that's the that's one of the things that's tough about it is that to the degree that you are you know using new equipment with new software and trying to make new music it's all that's fun and it and i'm 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 grateful that i've been able to just like take time to actually work on this stuff mm-hmm. but it's also like uh and like able to i mean they made their software free for the last nine like 180 days or something so it's mm-hmm. like i didn't even have to spend any money on that shit. yeah um which was really very generous of them uh but um but anyway with all that said it's just like you end up you know, it just, it's got me feeling like I really want to get this whole thing locked down. I, I've realized now that I have a hardware problem that's going to take some time out of my, of my whole thing right now. But it's kind of one of those things where it's like, hey, fix it now, bite the bullet, get it taken care of. And then, and then you'll be back up and running even faster. And then you, everything will work properly. And you can't, can't, without, without you having divulged what your challenge is that you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. I mean, tell can me can, if you can, can I take a stab or a guess? Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to guess. Okay. Give me, I get three chances. Okay. So my first guess would be that it has something to do with Thunderbolt. It, no, it doesn't. Okay. So, right, okay. Good. All right. All right. Don't, all right. <laughs> so then, um, so then there's going to be, it's going to be something to do with latency and audio drivers. No, no. Okay. No. Um, that's working great. Okay. And so then my last, let's see, I was closer with my first guess. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Um, or, oh, wait, maybe you, uh, you have some strange audio artifact or noise that gets in everything through the uh, converters. No. no. <laughs> okay. All right. That what would be the worst problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the problem I'm having is just a simple problem where my, um, my MIDI controller. Okay. I've got a, uh, uh, I've got a uh, keyboard push. with, lo- with lots of knobs and, and little pads and things on it that I can yep. play lots of music on. Basically when you're using, this is just for the people who don't understand how this works. Yeah. 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 When you're using this kind of software, you've got lots of instruments that are built into the software. And this piece of equipment gives me the, the actual physical tools to play that the, that music in the that's art that's in the computer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> play those. I got a sample of of an organ in the computer, and I've got a keyboard that I can play those sounds on. Okay. Yeah. Or play that trumpet sound on up and down yeah. a keyboard. Right? Which then creates an infinite universe of options and choices. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Exactly. So so not only that, but this same piece of equipment that allows me to play these virtual instruments also will allows me to control the software itself by not having to deal with the computer i can actually mm. just grab knobs and le- levels and all sorts of things on the piece of equipment and mm. use those 
to like push a button and hit record and not have to go to the computer and yeah. move a cursor and all this stuff. So it's really kind of important. And it's definitely a piece of equipment that for the way that I want to work with this stuff, it's, it's it makes the whole thing work much better. It's, it's way more intuitive, way more fun. Yeah. I can actually be playing an instrument and as a musician. It's way more, I mean, it's frankly, it's necessary. It comes down to it, but even as an engineer, it's more, I would rather actually be able to turn these knobs and do this stuff because trying to do it on a screen is just, it's, it's first of all, it's just not very exact. It's very difficult in a way. And it's also, um, uh, it's also just not as satisfying and I yeah, feel like yeah. I can't do it as well when I can yeah. close my eyes and actually turn knobs. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, yeah, fuck. Yeah. That's what yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so anyway, yeah. with all that in mind, I basically just have a, uh, an Akai, you know, MIDI controller that is just almost it's 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 the kind of equipment which much of this equipment is nowadays where there's no drivers involved you just plug it into yeah. the computer and it automatically they recognize each other and you go yeah unfortunately this piece of equipment is having lots of trouble with that very simple connecting it's mm. very hit and miss and it's it's 80 percent miss in terms of me being able to connect and um, i just went through all the troubles trouble you know uh shooting to like check everything with another piece of equipment and that works every time and this works almost no times and it's like okay it's this we went we went through the trouble of getting another cord and that didn't which this dude uh that i, I the guy that i bought it from i bought it from a company called sweetwater which is a really great company with amazing customer service and this guy's like i'm gonna send you a new cord I'm going to tell you, I don't think it's the cord, but, <laughs> but we can hope it's the cord. And if it's, if it cord, makes you feel better, I will yeah. send you a pacifier. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. He was, no, he, he agreed with me that we might as well try the cord. Yeah. 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 Because it's going to be a pain in the ass to deal with switching out this whole machine, but, but I need to do it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting that done so that I can be, you know, get this thing rolling. And, and Brian and I were talking earlier about, uh, some art funding that I'm, that I'm, very close to getting and if i get that art funding i will be able to hopefully finish off some things upstairs i've just got to buy like a, i've got to buy a good desk situation to have mm. this thing set up in a way that's functional and organized my whole thing's not organized yeah how many right? people listening how many people that are listening to this whether now or later are <laughs> still right now wondering if you're using the right desk or not <laughs> Yeah, is this the right desk? But is this is this my desk? <laughs> I just I just need to very. There I'm is very no desk Nirvana. Yeah, I've I have spent months basically sort of researching exactly what kind of desk. It turns out that I just need something very utilitarian, but in specific ways because I've got a very small attic room that I'm doing all this in. So it's there's things about it that if if I for instance if it's on casters that's going to actually be amazing because it's yeah. going to help me be able to just sort of you know transform the room at any moment to make it easier to pull the amp out of the corner and da 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 and set the mic up in the right spot you know so it's going to be it's going to be rocking but what it's really going to be is it's going to be lean mean and fast and i'm mm -hmm. going to be able to do everything i want to be able to do without having to work at doing it so that i can instead be working on <laughs> all these incredible musical ideas that are bursting through my brain. Also, I can't write the lyrics to this one song and it's driving me insane. <laughs> well, well, just give yourself permission, man. No, no so like uh, yeah, on, the on, the on the desk on the desk front though, oh, I will I'm say in the that I'm Kubrick film again. No, I'm not. Oh yeah, yeah. I said cut and it changed. <laughs> on the 
on the um, desk front, um, one of the things that I've been able to do in a couple of offices that I've had and where I've needed to quickly create like a creative work kind of space and some other place uh, and quickly get that going is, you know, like that company Uline, right? Like they have all the shipping and kind of all that sort of stuff, right? It's an office kind of, they mm -hmm. have the giant catalogs, oh, yeah. right? The catalog's amazing. Yeah, I know. It's like a weird, satisfying thing to look through. It's the strangest oh, yeah. thing. It caters to some it. strange part of our DNA or brains or something. It's I used weird to, uh, I used to work uh, a lot at this one particular museum and we'd be hanging out in the office where all the, you know, art handler folks were hanging out. And, 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 and if there was like a brand new Uline magazine, it was like Christmas. <laughs> we just yeah. be like, oh man, look at these heavy duty paper clips, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. It's such a nirvana. It's so amazing. Well, so, plastic. so they have these, they have these, um, they're like 300 bucks, but you can get the, their shipping tables, right? So they're heavy duty steel. They're heavy, right? They're no joke, like industrial grade metal. Uh, and then you can get, you know, and then the, the tabletop surface, you can choose whatever wood surface you want. You know, they have like a nicer looking kind of maple, but it's all just like block. And then you can get it with these different modular elements, but they have one where it's like a back piece that kind of comes up and it has conduit for electrical and like everything all in it. And when you get that thing sort of put in and then you get the electrical all dialed into this thing and it's just like a long, you know, broad shipping table with all this kind of uh, rack storage type of stuff above you and just it's somewhere between like an electrical shop and like a yeah. desk, you know, it like it's, perfect. it's really, really cool. And so, and you can get them with casters. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. and so, uh, like I said, they are heavy. They are like, it's one of those things where I would never say like, put them in the upstairs of your house or something yeah. like, like trying to get it through stairs or no, no, no. Like yeah. this thing is, that, it's heavy. That, that whole like shelf rack thing would not, I basically need something that's flat because of the mm -hmm. fact that I have these dormer ceilings coming down. I don't have room for, to have a big screen. Well, you know what? Like that. Check uh, out, check out the, uh, the global industrial, you know, or the, the U line. Uh, they're amazing. Uh, but yeah, anyway, but I, mean, I, I, I love I it too. Cause you feel like checking out U line and it's nothing precious. So like if you smash it, you burn it, you right. scratch, you, catch it with a hammer like whatever yeah. you do it's like whatever man it's just it feels more workmanlike even though yeah. it's actually plenty nice to be like oh this is kind of nice you know yeah 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 no that sounds pretty interesting i also yeah. uh, uh i also want to talk to you about um I'm, I'm basically now gathering i so far i've just been getting by with headphones and that's been fine and i and i you know i love like listening on headphones and mixing on headphones and you have to sing on headphones of course and all that so it's it's mostly good but but i ultimately want to be able to crank it up and listen so i gotta mm -hmm. get some like small monitors as well so if you have any suggestions for that that uh like stuff that could just literally go on the corners of the desk like it could be you, nothing big nothing fancy just you know the best kind of thing i could get that at that scale because i can't i don't really have room in there to like set up like you know monitors on stands you know that are right like, right so be like right in the sweet spot and all that. i just i don't have the room for that so it's just so then just at man, the desk Maybe i know this this raised up a little bit yeah i mean i don't want to bore the the hell out of our our audience here with some of these a lot deep, of our audience deep recommendations but uh who want to know where to get <laughs> cheap monitors this is not and this is not even necessarily stuff for everybody's always looking for like the next like what do you do how do you manage your yeah. stuff or whatever so what i have is uh one of those autonomous uh, desks where that's got a motorized sort of, uh, riser in it with like a nice maple top or whatever it is. 
And so it, it's just, it's super easy to put together and uh, it just comes in a few giant pieces and you just put it together. It's got a little controller on it. You can have presets for different heights um, for depending on what you're doing. You can make it a standing thing and you can put a lot of weight on it. I've got my speaker monitors, I, you know, pretty large studio quality speaker in enclosures and all that. Do you have and, those uh, right on your desk? Yeah, yeah. So I have, I have a, uh, I should probably make sure the camera. For, what are you using for monitors? Uh, so they're actually, uh, M audio. I want to say like BX fives or something. Okay. I, I have a sweet spot for powered monitors that are not very expensive. Like, um, I have found those to be, yeah. Like for the longest time I ran these event 2020 P's and they were my favorite sounding monitor of all time. They're kind of weird sort of fetishized little monitors. Now people can't find them and they want to still use them. Which uh, one? they were called event 2020s. They stopped oh. making them like, uh, probably 15 years ago or something, uh -huh. but I had those like in the early days, but, uh, but I just, I kept them forever. What? Uh, I want to say BX five is what I have. Uh, I have, I put, uh, some, BX5. Um, okay, yeah. my, my wife uh, gives me endless shit about this. Um, and she just thinks that I'm oh, a yeah, lunatic. Good. Uh, but, but I, I can't tell you the model or anything about these speakers that are right in front of me. And the reason why is because I have a thing where I maniacally cover brand logos with black gaff tape <laughs> on all of everything that I have where it's possible to do it without damaging it. Um, because I just, I can't, and she just, uh, thinks that I'm the, a, a crazy person, but I just don't like brand. I don't, I don't like, I don't want to look at a bunch of branded stuff in my purview of like where I'm making art yeah. or whatever. Like, I don't know. I just don't want to feel like I'm drinking coke and eating hershey's or something it feels like real everybody gets real weird with their brand badges being very obscene so i just i just tape over uh everything so i don't even remember what they are anymore uh but yeah so those monitors are great um it's i like the challenge of having a cool small space like that because you really just have to get down to the nitty-gritty of like what do i really need and what's what's right. really going on here and they tend to sound a little better they're gonna be less boomy and you know yeah, well, I'll tell you one of the best things about it is that that um, um, that like you know vaulted ceiling that I've got in the attic. There's one corner in particular that I I had to I had to re-record a vocal for that last single that I put out, and I was like I had just actually gotten my mic that I love the AT2020, right? Oh yeah, uh, is that what it's called? AT2020? I think that's right. The one it's it's got like the it's got like the ports on the side. It's like a bass drum monitor. And I mean, bass drum mic, but it's also used a lot in like radio and stuff. Actually, it'd be great for this, mm -hmm. but I just mm -hmm. use the old trusty 58 and the blue icicle. Mm -hmm. She never let me down. Mm -hmm. um, but that other mic that I'm talking about, the AT2020 is, uh, is 100% like the, the first time I sang in that mic, I was just like, what is this mic? Like I yeah. got to know what this is. Cause my voice has never sounded this good to me. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, and it's, that's a, as, a, as an aside to anyone who's not like a music geek weirdo, um, I feel like it's a crazy truth that everybody's voice has is waiting for the right microphone. Yeah, it's totally true. And once you get your microphone, like that's kind of like your microphone. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I I can be convinced. I would take another mic over it if something sure. was better. But <laughs> keep it going. <laughs> every time I talk in this, every time I just start singing into this microphone, I'm just like, oh man, this microphone just knows what to do with my voice, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And um, so I already had that mic, and I was like, well, I guess I could just record that vocal here. Like I could re-record that vocal here, and then get it to my uh, 
my producer, my friend Andrew Atkins produced that last single. And I'm like, I'm just going to cut it here and then send it to him. Um, and I was like, okay, well, now this will give me the opportunity to figure out how I'm going to record vocals in this room. And there's this one corner where the where I'm facing into the corner. I'm about in the middle of the room, really. But I'm facing into the corner and like the ceiling is like going down into the corner to about three feet. And then the other walls are meeting and it's going down straight. But up oh, cool. here, you've got that weird space where you basically have three walls all coming together at once, right? Yeah. And and what you're trying to avoid for anybody who doesn't understand what the fuck we're talking about is you're trying to avoid lots of reflection. So by the way, these three walls come together, basically my voice just goes into that corner and just stays there essentially. Yeah, if I'm standing in the right spot and facing in the right direction, it just it just it just disappears. So when I'm singing on the mic, all you're really hearing is my voice going into the mic. You're not hearing a whole lot of the room around me kind of mm -hmm. sound, which is exactly what you want. So it turns out that it's in some ways so far, it's like, man, this is kind of like there's a little bit of magic in that space right now. Yeah, I'm very pleased to find out, especially because just, you know, uh, uh, it, you know, even if a lot of the recording I did up there was me just finding the tempo putting together a little beat, putting some vocals and guitar on something, and then taking it to a situation where me and other musicians could all work from there and go for it and build it into something bigger. Even if I was just doing that, it would be rad if when I did that, I came in with a vocal track that just made it through the whole production and yeah. we bothered re-recording it because yeah. I sang the hell out of it and recorded the hell out of it. You know, right. that would be great. And they would be It'd be wonderful if, if I could just do that at home anytime I, I felt like it. I can't tell you how many times, what, you know, in producing my producing times and mixing records times when uh, just and everybody's experienced this, like when you see people are just kind of married to the scratch vocal and all of the band tracks that get added, you know, so for anybody that doesn't know this, like essentially when you're recording, you record the band essentially first in some way or another. Uh, the vocalist typically is going to save their actual vocal take for sort of after all the music's put more together mm. so they can place their voice maybe a little bit better. And, um, but and a lot so of times at the beginning of all this, they've recorded some kind of a vocal, which we're calling a scratch vocal, right? You're going to get rid of it later. But in the meantime, the band placeholder. Yeah. The band needs to hear the vocal so they can, they can right. time what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing I was going to try to illuminate is basically, this weird phenomena that happens, right? Where all of the music gets sort of built around that scratch vocal. And then when you get in to actually start printing, you know, recording down uh, the, the, the primary actual vocals, something just feels inherently disconnected. Uh, even if it's performed very similarly or whatever by the singer, which usually it is, you know, it's not usually wildly different, you know, it's just more, dare I say accurate or, or whatever. And then uh, it's the weirdest thing where all of a sudden now the vocal just feels like it's separate and sitting atop a song when you were trying to get like, like when you pull a band apart to record it, you wanted to put it back together where it kind of feels live. And if you, if you can't do it live outright. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's just strange that like, so often I feel like the vocal just ends up in this kind of separate headspace universe of the sound image and then that all the other music is sort of categorically over here. And I think there's like, if you think about like how a guitar player plays to the nuances of the harmonics of a voice or the things that sort of inspire, like the way that they're tying tones and frequencies together, when you replace one or the other, 
they're just not going to line up uh, in the same perception kind of way. And it makes it feel like it has like a, it feels like less like a moment in time and more like a construction sort of immediately. Yeah. And I, lo I love, <laughs> I love one of my favorite things about like all this, just geeking out about all this idiot stuff <laughs> is, is the, the whole idea of the sound image. And so for people who don't understand, like when you're, you know, when you have headphones on and you can hear a certain amount of stuff in the left side and a certain amount of stuff in the right side, if, if you haven't been doing this or if, or, or you probably have done this as a listener, you close your eyes and you really feel like, you know, the, the, the piano is over here, but you know, the flute is also over here, but it's back further. It's quieter. Mm -hmm. It's in the distance in some way. Mm -hmm. And then over here, the bass is like right in front of me. Like it, it's punching me like right in the chest, but then the drum is like in the mm -hmm. distance over there and like right in the middle, there's the vocal and it's like sort of got its own space in the middle and all stuff. And like, that's like the whole idea of the sound image. That's like when you're mixing a record stuff, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to, it's like populating your canvas with this balanced, um, you know, group of elements so that it all fits together in one picture, but at the same time on some level, you know, each individual thing, you know, sort of could, you could kind of focus on that little tambourine over there and really hear it. Yeah. 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 So this is just, this is the, and this is actually, you want to talk about like, uh, you know, getting obsessive about things. I mean, you're obsessing about your studio desk so that you can then obsess <laughs> over these dumb mixes. You're gonna make <laughs> Again, you're just like, uh, I just got a little bit, a little bit more of that shaker. <laughs> yeah. Don't, uh, well, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I find too that I, I think a lot of people in their practices of whatever it is they're doing right now are tending towards um, things of some sort of purity. And I mean that in the sense that it could just be of message or the medium or the process or something. I feel like that there's this tendency or response right now that's happening where people are trying to get more to these essential truths or uh, a th more singular and focus maybe uh, because things are just kind of compressed and intense right now, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and the way, like the way that's playing out for me at least is like a, just really putting a lot of attention on the practice itself. Cause a lot of times you're just kind of doing, and you, when you're overwhelmed with a lot of different things, you're just like, I'll get, I, I, when I just have time, I'm just going to pick that up and, and do this part of what I need to do for this project. And it becomes more of like an assembly line as opposed to like this sort of experiential thing that you're using as an iteration to grow and progress from or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, so for me, like with my setup, um, you know, it's kind of like, I took what's you what I'm using half a room to do and essentially whittled it down to um, a couple of things on a, a sort of a table in front of me and like sure. that's and that's it and um, I think also when you realize when you do that you just realize how much more mastery that you need there's an endless life pursuit in front of you in each one of these tools you know what I mean so don't feel like you've got such a handle on it that you can start you know, having all this, it's like, it's like if you start playing drums and you get a 20 piece drum kit, it's like, <laughs> okay, slow down, yeah. you know, like maybe just get like a regular four or five piece drum kit and just play that. Like, cause you just started playing drums. Right. Right. So I, I've, I've been sort of like, there's always that ebb and flow, but uh, of like, uh, I've just been, I'm really into the idea of things being separate from the computer and very immensely powerful hardware. Like that is, um, uh, certain and central to like the neurology of everything I'm creating is happening in these, whatever I can put my hands on right here and right in front of me. And it's not about the recording or the Ableton or the whatever tool I don't use Ableton, but you know, other tools like that. Mm -hmm. 
so I have all my stuff set up to where it's like old school. I'm I'm tracking multi-track to a box, you know. What's the uh, last time that you were using uh, you know, any kind of a DAW? Oh, well, I use a DAW all the time, but I guess what I'm saying is like when I'm recording, I so I guess I'm saying like I use a DAW for more mixing as opposed oh, to okay. what are you using uh, on that? Uh so I use what's called Harrison Mix Bus. Oh, okay. And a real quick note on that for any people that have stuck through this podcast this far. Uh, Harrison's a kind of a cool storage company that's uh, based out of Nashville that made these legendary consoles that sort of define the sound of a lot of things that people really appreciate and love. And a lot of very popular musics have been made and, you know, a very romanticized company in many ways with their mixed bus architecture, Harrison consoles. And what they did is they sort of uh, made a, a, a pretty intense emulation i suppose of all that cool. but it's not it's not just in terms of sound uh but it's also in terms of approach and what uh they do best is provide uh, an interface that is a knob per function type of interface so you're not doing a lot of drilling and menus and things everything's just like fader knobs eqs like it's very it's like a very it's very much a console tactile as much as possible sort of experience mm -hmm. and uh and so i really like it in the sound and like the eq and the compression and the, it's you got compression on every channel and in the channel strip it's like it's beautiful man it's like it just feels like you're working on an ssl or, or like a cool mm -hmm. console like a really amazing console all the time harrison in this case but uh so i love it uh but what i don't want to do is record straight into it like whatever if i'm using drum machines or synthesizers or whatever it is that i'm using i don't want to record those things into the computer i want to record them into some other multi-channel box that i have sort of a mixer on and everything and uh i'm still getting full separation of all the tracks uh but it's essentially going to digital memory at that point and then i can move it over mm. uh and when then put it on over, yeah when you move it over you've got individual tracks that you're yeah. mixing in that audio workstation. yeah so i very consciously have uh because yeah, all the tools, you know, it's like, I, I, this is a little bit of a, oh, sorry, I got to say this. So tools right now, like the, the, the last 25 years of digital audio, it's always been about like how Pro Tools, it can now do this and you can do sequencing and you can do mm -hmm. composing and arranging and sound editing and effects and da, da, da. And now you can import these virtual instruments and have these running and you can do this. And, and uh, each, the tendency of all these softwares and tools is to become like the sort of the one fits all yeah. as much as possible. But what happens is they're really good at like, you know, 50% of what the tool is and the other 50% is like garbage kind of just thrown in. It's not really thought about mm -hmm. and you have to really get in there to sort it out and you have to figure out how you're going to use these tools. But, but ultimately I like the idea of coming back to this idea of I use very specific things for very specific purposes at very specific stages in my workflow or process mm -hmm. and really knowing what those things are as opposed to just like, I'm working on music, therefore I'm in Ableton and I'm recording and I'm editing and I'm processing. Right. And I'm like, I, I, I've done that for so many decades now, basically that like, I'm just, I want to go back to what it was like when I was recording to a cassette, you know, or, mm. or whatever, and just feel like, yeah. man, I got that one, you know, like I need some feeling of, especially because I make very different music than you make in terms of, you know, electronic stuff, but it's still very performative and stuff. Dub sort of happens, stuff happens, magic happens, weird tones blend sort of weird moments happen that i i know when these things sort of glisten or sort of uh materialize and so i like the idea of capturing them more offline 
and being like, okay, that happened and it was sort of recorded. And then I can move it in and be in a totally different mindset now of like, now I'm going to reconcile with sort of like, how do I just enhance or improve upon what this already kind of is Yeah, in a linear editing kind of way. What, what kills me is doing long, you know, linear editing projects uh, while at the same time really digging into the effects and really digging into the, like, I don't know. I just want to, yeah. so, so I, I don't know. And because you, you start to forget, am I in the pre-production or the post-production? You know what yeah, I mean? That's really interesting. Cause I think, I mean, it's, it, it's, I think you've done a good job of sort of informing people how the people who don't know how this works. I think you've given them enough information for them to mm -hmm. kind of understand that dilemma, but it's definitely, you know, I, you know, it's, first of all, it's, it's for sure the truth that even people who love doing things analog, you know, people who wouldn't think of ever recording to anything but tape, you know, even those people, I guarantee you when it's time to mix the album, they go digital because that's where the digital stuff really does shine is in your ability to, to mix that's to edit and to mix. That's where the digital space is like really at its best. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that, you know, that it's what you're doing makes total sense to me at the same time. It's interesting because when you are in the mode where you're recording all your stuff digitally, inevitably, you're also mixing all your stuff digitally, digitally, and you're mixing stuff. I mean, arguably, as soon as you start recording, you also begin mixing because it's all right there and you can yeah. do it all right now. Yep. So as you're evolving it, you're actually just sort of constantly mixing the song as more elements are added and stuff. And it's also a thing too, where to me, that the mixing part of it becomes sort of the dominant part of it in a way. And it's weird because music used to be more like a, um, uh, you know, when, when people say that the, say the late eighties, okay. Which is like the, the last time before, you know, everything really all went digital. Right. Um, uh, which really gets rolling in the nineties. Um, uh, so in the late eighties, let's say, you know, you recorded, to tape and then you edited it edited and mixed and all that stuff after you did that you tracked first right so you recorded everything you needed to record you overdubbed any additional recording you need to do you you know uh then you editing and mixing happens and mastering and then you, there's your record and i think that um back then the whole philosophy just like it was at the earliest days of recording music the whole idea was trying to essentially capture a performance you know what i mean that was sort of the idea we're going to capture a performance mm -hmm. on on tape and then we're going to do this and then when you you know you evolve obviously and when you get into you know post beatles music you start to think of the studio as more of a, a as a uh, as a toolkit for making art out of, and it gets a little bit more sculptural and plastic and all this stuff. And that's a whole other discussion, but generally speaking, still you're talking about capturing stuff in the studio that you're then, um, presenting. And there's a kind of an idea that you're somehow there's fidelity between the thing you did in the studio and the thing that people hear on the outside world. And I think one of the biggest differences that we've come up with in the digital world is that the whole thing has become much more like movie making in yeah. that it's way more post-production production, yeah. you know, in a movie, you know, Al Pacino says the same line eight different times in eight different ways to eight different cameras in eight different moments. And that's the morning lunchtime, 
and then uh, bring Mr. Pacino back for the afternoon because we got to shoot the gun scene or whatever, you know? And it's like, well, then what happens? Why are, why does he shoot the same thing eight times and it takes all morning? It's like, well, so then the director can go in there and he'll have all this material to pick and choose from to actually create the movie. The movie's not being created really when you're shooting it. That's all just to give you the stuff you need to make the movie later after you get everything you need. Now you and your editors are going to build the movie and there's 12 different movies you could build out of this stuff. And that's where it's really going to happen. You know what I mean? And, and music's become a lot more that way in the advent of digital recording for sure. In some really good ways, though even the writing process is like bleeding into recording in a way mm. because the ability to edit you know it changes the way that you that you know you go in with a song that's done and then it's like well but what if we did this and all of a sudden it's like whoa let me let me change that let me change this so the whole thing just becomes sort of dominated by mixing you know what i mean and by post-production it's much more like that and has even i think for the most elemental person who's just doing their first recording. It's like their whole mindset isn't, you know, this better be good. Their whole mindset yeah. is, <laughs> I mean, if anything, it's unfortunately too far the other direction, which is sort of like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. We can fix it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, that's the, that's the bad temptation of that time is like to have the discipline when you're tracking to, to like, to like really, know that it's like no i sang the hell out of that i played the hell out of that like we're not going into this process with a bunch of garbage that we have to fix because you never really can you really have mm -hmm. to you got to get it right when you're tracking but it can be really easy to think oh we'll fix it later you know because there is so much you can actually do well i, I it, how like it's impossible to win though because like uh, like here's the thing it's like th i'm sure pick any podcast episode one 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 impossible yeah. to win it's <laughs> embracing futility give up now yeah yeah always give up um, <laughs> yeah no but it, uh but i i guess what i'm saying is that you have to again with the, with the, in the same way that i was talking about doing sort of hard quick iterations of work uh on a daily or some sort of fast-paced basis and then sort of not beating yourself up you know it's kind of like being on a diet and giving yourself a cheat day whatever you, you know those things you can't psychologically beat yourself up about you also can't beat yourself up about uh it, it is the nature of the work that no matter what like joe i know you can pick any song that you've ever recorded in your life uh that you've considered truly finished or done right in terms of like it went through the real process not a demo or whatever mm -hmm. i every single song that you've ever recorded if you put it on and you listen to it you will hear at least one if not more than one moment or flaw or idiosyncratic just something you tried to talk yourself out of feeling weird about during the process or you just missed it entirely and you just mm -hmm. didn't have the wisdom that you have now or whatever it is but you look back on that previous work and you're just like man like you appreciate it. You like it. You feel good about it. You don't beat yourself up about it, but there's always just always that one thing. I mean, I get for me, it's like even down to just like that hi hat is just too tenny or that's oh, just, man. you know, just <laughs> how did I like, you know what I mean? Like certain obvious <laughs> things that like this has been through countless measures of scrutiny. How am I here right now hearing what I'm hearing and being irritated by it? Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's insane that you, that you do that. There was one uh, on my, I guess my, my third album has a song on it where I, 
uh, added the accent, literally added the accent of like wood blocks, right? <laughs> so yeah. I really love percussion and I love rhythm. And I sounds like, like you should have just gone with cowbell. All these little things. No, the wood blocks were a fine idea, <laughs> but for some reason, I just I and I remember I remember sort of I remember that it was my fault essentially, like that at some point on a later date. And it was a long time after it had come out. At some point on a later date, I was listening to it again. And I was just like, God damn, those wood blocks are loud as hell. And mm. I'm like, well, why are they so loud? And I'm like, they're so loud because I insisted that they needed to be that loud. <laughs> and, and that was insane. Yeah. And then and then when that record, uh, I, I basically, I switched you know, uh, my digital distributors a little while ago. And when you do that, all your music will disappear from every platform and you have to start over again and put it back up on another platform. Well, it just so happened that it was an anniversary of the record. So I got together with my engineer and we said, Hey, do we have extra stuff we could add to this? There's mm -hmm. a new version of the album anyway, that's available now everywhere. And uh, this album called blue turns blue turns black. And, mm -hmm. um, uh, and this has been for a few years now, it's been available everywhere again with extra stuff. And <laughs> when, when we did that, I was like, we got to go back and turn down those wood blocks. <laughs> so, yeah. so it gave me a second too, to go back. It's like the, the one original. thing. <laughs> yeah. We went back into the original recordings. And for the most part, we, you know, we, we really gave ourselves license to fix anything we wanted to. And for the most part, man, we didn't, we didn't really touch a whole lot of stuff, but there were a few things. And I was really grateful to have the opportunity to sort of revisit it and be like, okay, now it sounds even better. You know what I mean? And I it's think, also, yeah, I think a lot of our, you know, you, you know, you're, I mean, obviously the idea of remastering and remixing and re-releasing your albums, it's a way, you know, that, you know, you just get to sell your albums over again. And there's something to that. But you're not, <laughs> but you're not supposed to open up the tracks again, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> but when they you do broke that, the seal, uh, but, but many people do that. Many people do that. Come on. They took all the Phil Spector out of let it be for God's sakes. You can do anything you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I so I, I feel like, uh, you, you, you basically can't win and it's a fruitless cause. You're always going to have something you're beating yourself up about or something that annoys you. You have to just, at some point you have to stop, you know what I mean? And that's right. That's right. And, and, and most importantly, two things. One is be careful about the stuff that 10 years later you think is now garbage because in 20 years, it might just be hitting the sweetest spot imaginable in terms of how it relates to where you are then or what's going on at that time or how it relates to other yeah. things. Like I've got stuff that I go back to that's very crude or simple or basic or, you know, not nearly as sort of experience, ex, you know, not coming, I wasn't nearly as experienced then or whatever. And some of that stuff has like a purity that, you know, 10, 10 years, 10 years ago, I listened to, it, I'm like, God, this is just, what was I doing? You know? Mm -hmm. And then now I listen to it. And I'm like, God, man, I was free, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, like I, I was just like, yeah, I was, I, I did not, there was no friction between me and creating, you know, yeah. I just was. And totally, so that's part, yeah. that's part about youth. Right. But I think that it'd be ignorant to think that that doesn't also happen say like, you know, you and I are in our, like what you for late forties. You're are you, I'm 50 this year. Yeah. Right. 50 this year. And, uh, you know, so you got to think that like in 20 years then, right. You're going to look back to what you were making now and you're like, man, like, all right. You know, but in 10 years from now, you might be like, I hated what I was doing in 2020. Like that was, just, <laughs> was I feel, you know, all in all, I, I have to say, I, you know, we're, we're closing in on the end of 2020 
and hopefully we're closing in on the end of a lot of the chaos that came with it. And, uh, um, and you know, I, all in all, I have to say that, um, I feel mostly very good about like how my wife and I, and my friends and I, you know, and, and many of the people we've talked to on the show and have been in touch with and, and have, you know, sort of gotten through this whole thing with, I really think, I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, have made, uh, a lot of good choices and have found ways to grow and, and continue and be creative and be strong and be healthy and be smart and, and all that stuff around, around this time. And it it certainly hasn't been easy. I mean, I haven't made every good choice, but I've made uh, mostly good choices. (laughs) And, um, uh, and look, look, there's always, you're going to be able to get, you're going to be able to get a hot tub. Just relax, man. (laughs) You just got into the house. (laughs) yeah so i feel like we're uh i don't know i i really do hope that 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 continues but i i think too i mean i think that's what i was listening to a guy on youtube the other day just a guy that i listened to and and he was talking about all this different craziness about what's going on this year and then at the end of it all though he summed it up by saying that you know his whole plan was just to be cautiously optimistic going forward even though there's lots of things to be worried about or scared about or whatever And, um, and I was like, I was like, you know, that's actually, um, you know, I just needed to sort of be reminded of that, but I, I really do think that's something we've talked about. And I think that's something that is, you know, also, you know, important is that it's like, it's like, you know, there's, there's things you can be doing right now to make sure that, you know, as we're able to get back out into the world again and connected with each other again, that, you know, you're, you're better off than you were you know, at the beginning of 2020, that you're more raring to go, that you've got more resources under your, under your, you know, uh, feet or whatever, you know, our, our friend Andres Bustamante and I have been recently in touch. Andres was a guest on our show, um, you know, uh, in, in one of the earlier episodes. And, um, uh, he's a painter and a sculptor here in Nashville. And, and he had a, he had a tough time. I mean, he, he was like, you know, uh, basically having to find a new place to live because his landlord was being a jerk about rent and all this kind of stuff. And he went through some real challenges, you know, through this whole time that I didn't have to go through. Um, but, but, you know, he's doing great. He's, uh, he's really, uh, got his, his whole situation together. Maybe he'd be a good guy to have on again soon to talk about all the stuff. But, but I, I just, I, I've talked to lots of people recently who, who've had many more challenges than I did. And even those folks have found, you know, the best way to stay mm-hmm. positive and actually make progress and find new opportunities. And, and it's, it's, it's also an effect that I have to say, I really do think that, you know, when you surround yourself with artists and people like that, it's like, Hey man, our whole thing is always about, figuring out the angle and you know learning how to make a little do a lot and 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 when these challenging kinds of times come up it's sort of like the hustle everybody else has to get switched into is something Mm -hmm. that most that we're kind of we're doing it all the time anyway you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so it's 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 you know I, i don't know it's it's been a ultimately i feel like you know these these are challenges that you can either live up to or not and for the most part i feel like like those albums I've recorded, Brian. I'm looking back on 2020. I'm saying, mm. hey, pretty good. Remember to turn down the wood blocks. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> so as, as we're wrapping this up, I want to sort of throw a few plugs out there that are co- kind of relevant. Um, yeah. So our uh, our friend Andy Alexander, uh, who lives in Olympia, Washington, he's uh, you know he's been on the road with um, Tycho and Beck and Kanye and done all these various things, and uh, but 
a lot, uh, cut copy, all these other, you know, big musical acts. He does all the Ableton playback engineer stuff. He's off the road now. He started a mastering kind of a post-production studio. Mm. And really, you know, we were just talking today, uh, and it's really about like, uh, there's so many musicians and people that have like come off the road or, um, have had the ability now to sort of finally dig back into music and used to make a lot of music and are sort of back into it and they have a lot of work but they just need somebody to sort of help them kind of finalize and compile what's good here what's not good and then kind of produce them in a way or consult yeah. to sort of get to this body of work and then he will also master it and make it sound amazing and kind of return it to you for a fee and it's such a really timely cool uh thing for exactly these kinds of people so uh mm -hmm. look up uh badandymastering.com and you'll find all the cool. info there and he's just got a cool story and just a, he's done a lot of neat things he's you know one of my dearest old friends so obviously mm -hmm. i'm just shamelessly plugging him but yeah if you've got music that you've made that you kind of just don't you know you want to it could be things of the past it could be demos it could be whatever but if you've got stuff that means something to you you know your old band archives whatever it is uh, he's the guy to get that stuff to, so everybody should consider that. Um, otherwise, um, you know, we're just going to go week to week. I think um, we can wrap up here by teasing a little bit of uh, maybe what we're what we're hoping for next week, <laughs> and then uh, and yeah, uh, yeah, I got it. I found it. And maybe we'll get. And maybe we'll get. Uh, I'm sorry, I also meant to say that uh, we'll also we'll get Tom on hopefully at some point. Uh, you know, life is yeah. weird and it's not a big deal. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like I said, I mean, he's been uh, very. Uh, very responsive yeah, to messages. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, we're just, it's, you know, these things go south sometimes yeah. in the middle of all this craziness. And, um, uh, it's, I, I don't really think, I think we should just wait and like, well, no, uh, yeah, let's just wait because I don't know if there's, mm -hmm. if, if it's even worth talking about that article before yeah. at least talk to the woman who wrote it. There's a okay. woman who wrote an article that's very interesting. It's a, it ties together dojo culture with serial killing. <laughs> so, uh, so, Sign we'll, me up. We, so with that in mind, yeah. hopefully we'll be talking to the author of this, uh, of this article. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, and hopefully she'll be telling us that that's actually a podcast that she's going to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's going to be like, I already <laughs> sold the rights to that article. <laughs> <laughs> Cause that's an amazing, uh, Thanks, so, yeah, that's, um, that's wild, but yeah. yeah, it could be good. But, um, but in the meantime too, if, if, um, uh, if people are hearing this on Friday and you're in Nashville, um, if, or even if you're out of Nashville, the salt weekly is a zine, uh, here in town and, uh, months ago, eight months ago, um, uh, they were talking about creating a, a mutual aid society for, uh, artists here in town and they raised some money. Actually, Andres Bustamante, I think was one of the people who got some of the money from that original fund. And, you know, the fact that he's rocking and rolling and really in many ways is better off than before he started uh you know where he was at um at the beginning of the lockdowns and everything it goes to show you how you know uh an organization like this that can offer an artist two three four five hundred dollars um is something that might not seem like a lot but it can really go a long way when people are in you know in between mm -hmm. you know different you know challenges and opportunities in the middle of a pandemic yeah, after man. a tornado like we are here in nashville so um uh so with that in mind they wanted to have a benefit it took them all this time to get to a time when you know they've been able to work it out so right now at the salt we at the salt weekly t-h-e-s-a-l-t-w-e-e-k-l-y on instagram you can find um uh, an auction that's up right now. I've got two pieces in the auction. Uh, there's it's mo it's all 2d work, I think. Um, but a whole variety of stuff, prints, paintings, uh, drawings, all sorts of stuff.
Actually, there's some textile sculpture in there. Um, uh, uh, there's there's a whole variety of stuff. Andres has a sculpture in the show, so go check that out. Um, but you can go to uh, their Instagram page at the Salt Weekly on Instagram, and then you can scroll through all the images. And under the images, it tells you what the starting bid for each piece is, and you can see if people have bid in the comments. And then you can bid in the comments too. And so obviously the, you know, as the bids increase, the, the price goes up and the highest bidder um, this weekend will be the person who actually gets the piece. I believe um, if you're in Nashville uh, there will actually be uh, an uh, real life display of the show at red arrow on Saturday from six to nine, and you can go there and bid as well. And I think mm -hmm. maybe at nine o'clock on Saturday night, that'll be the end of it. Either you've been online or you were at the, at the actual exhibition and bid. Um, and then they'll be, you know, contacting people, uh, you know, to either come pick up the pieces or, uh, I think if you were out of town and you bought a piece, I'm sure they would figure out some way to get it to you. It might cost you a little shipping or something, but, uh, but anyway, awesome. so if you're interested in supporting artists, especially if you're in Nashville and you want to support the creative community that's already here, all of the money will be going to, uh, these, uh, funds to help artists who will be applying for that after the, after the first of the year, I believe is when the next call will go out to see like, you know, who needs funds. Uh, yeah. none of the money goes to salt. None of the money goes to the red arrow. None of the money will go to me. If you buy my piece, thank you very much. I'd mm -hmm. love to see a picture of it in your house, but the money will go to these other artists who need it. And the, you know, the rest of us are just, you know, we're volunteering work this you know red arrows volunteering space it's 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 a great anarchist tradition for yeah. mutual aid don't you know don't count on the government who can't seem to get a realistic uh you know stimulus check together again for anybody don't count on this economy that it regularly screws people over to meet their quarterly earnings uh rely on each other help each other out support your community you yeah got an extra 50 bucks spend pumped it, up. Get some great art man Joe Nolan, mighty Joe Nolan, bringing it right now. <laughs> hey, so real quick, I mean, if, if, if anybody has any questions about the the strange latitude of this podcast, we meant to have a bare knuckle fighting championship fighter on today. Everyone um, does. <laughs> and so instead we talked music and creativity uh, and process uh, and went down some wormholes for you. Uh, but hopefully it was of some entertainment value or at least. Yeah. Next uh, week we some, might do this again, or we yeah. might talk about women's karate and Ted Bundy. <laughs> that's true. So uh, <laughs> we bring the focus. Uh, that's what we, that's what we have. So, all right. I appreciate it. Uh, I, I think we're good to sign out. Joe, you good? Yeah. Thank you all guys right, for listening uh, another week. Uh, if you have any more questions about studio monitors, please let us know. <laughs> Send Joe. I'm going to buy these monitors. I found a really good deal on them. I'll talk to you about it. Uh -huh. in the green room. All right, man. I'll see you in a minute. All right. Take care, everybody. We appreciate it. Bye.